Hello, welcome to the Sound Podcast of the Week. For more information on the Sound Movement and other resources, go to thesoundmovement.net. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Sound Podcast. I am so excited and just elated that we're able to be able to just bring language and teaching and the revelation um, from the Bible, from the Word of God, and um, from the things that we've actually lived out and are continuing to pursue to you guys. Um, it's it's an exciting resource. I know that's going to bless a lot of people, and I just pray that um, more than just hearing another good teaching or hearing another good word, that you would hear this and that it would catalyze your heart into action. Because Jesus didn't just go about being good, he went about doing good, and he was the word made flesh. I always love that uh, I'm challenged by just the very life of Jesus, but what he meant when when John in, in the first um chapter of of the gospel of john he says he is the word of god made flesh he wasn't just words but it was the word in action the word made flesh and the reason that jesus carried such power and such anointing is because he was the word that he spoke he wasn't just speaking things or teaching things that he had not lived that he had not done he was doing and teaching things um, from uh, the revelation that he had lived that he had walked out he is the word that he speaks Jesus said my words are truth and they are life and it's true that when we don't just talk about things that we know in our head but we teach and talk about things that we've lived that we've walked out that we've experienced um, those are the truth Truths that carry weight. That's why when Jesus spoke, the religious, along with the the, the people who uh, weren't religious and um, were were not even followers of of a strict religious code, they they unbelievers and and sinners and and religious people alike. They said this man speaks as one having authority. This is someone when he speaks. It is different than the Pharisees. It's different than the scribes. We've heard them teach. We've heard them talk. But when Jesus speaks, our hearts are moved. Our hearts burn within us. And and I believe that truth um, that we've walked out is the most powerful truth because you only do uh, what you actually believe. And we talk about a lot of things, and, and, and I think we've all been guilty of uh, talking about things that we believe, but we don't actually do. We don't actually, uh, you know, live in that reality. The fact is, is that uh, for many believers, even um, uh, in America today, you'll hear them talk about hell and the reality of hell. But uh, I don't know if they really believe uh the very hell that they talk about that much when their lives would lead you to believe otherwise in the fact that they are not um, going out and and rescuing people from darkness to save them from the very hell that they preach. I believe that um, even in my own life, I've been challenged by the Lord to live the word um, that I would be teaching because you can teach what you know, but you can only impart who you are. And so uh, that just brings us to um, kind of the story of of the last 
year of my life and many uh, of those uh, in our team and and those around us. You know, I um will will give a a bit of a a story lesson here. Um, for probably seven to eight years, I was. Uh, really harping on and teaching out of the book of Samuel. It was 1 Samuel chapter 10, as well as chapter 19. Uh, I've written about it. I've written books on this. I've talked about it. I've taught on it all over the world, from Southeast Asia to the Middle East to Europe to all over America and so forth. And um, I had taught the truth about prophetic worship and taught the truths about the power of the presence of God released in worship. And uh, it was in the summer of 2015 that I was praying before a meeting and I was to do a meeting in uh, the hills uh, in the in the woods of Maryland. And um I had a few hours before the meeting, so I was I was praying, and I had been praying um, uh, probably six months before that that the Lord would captivate my heart for the times we're in, that He would allow me to be a part of history, that He would allow me to be able to be a part of changing this generation, to to truly making a mark, um, something that was more than just. Uh, going to conference uh, conferences or conference to conference, meeting to meeting, event to event, and that the Lord would just use my life to change history. And uh, of course, you know, by many people's standards, I'm sure that uh, there was no reason to even pray that because we were doing a great work. We were doing a, an amazing work and had the privilege and the honor of being able to um, go and, and speak to, to, to people and believers all over the world and encourage them and teach them and train them and, um, you know, to to offer up worship uh, all over the world. So, I mean, we were doing really incredible things and I'm so thankful for that, but I was longing for something more. And it was in this hotel room in Maryland that the Lord began to speak to me. And the Lord says, Chris, you've preached from 1 Samuel chapter 10 for many years, but I am issuing you an invitation to be able to live the very word that you have been teaching about. And I felt the presence of God come upon me, a weighty, uh, just presence of God. And I, and I just, I felt the nearness of the Lord. I felt that, uh, in my prayer time that, that, uh, the nearness of the word of the Lord had come to me. Um, it was incredibly, um, it was a stark contrast from just your everyday, uh, secret place, uh, you know, praying, or uh, your devotional times. It was a special moment. And the Lord came to me and, and was just began to speak to me in my heart and began to um, just reveal that, you know, the word that is lived out has the authority um, to be spoken uh, by, by the person who lives it out with, author with authority, with, with power, with uh, change inerrant within it. Um, to actually touch the hearts of people and, and bring about change. To actually speak something that you've lived is so much more powerful. Now, keep in mind, my entire, uh, uh, throughout my 20s, um, many of the times I'd come back off the road and I would, uh, you know, it'd be Monday, I'd, I'd get off the plane, maybe get in late the night before. And I remember um, oftentimes that, that afternoon or evening the next day, it was almost like I would just center my heart or just kind of go back to the roots of who I've always been. And I would take my guitar and I'd go to the streets and I would just worship. And if you're, uh, if you're, if you're not familiar um, with 1 Samuel 10, I'm just going to dive into this. But when the Lord had, had spoke to me to, to live this word, 
it meant so much to me because in some senses I had lived it, but um, this word came like this and it's first Samuel chapter 10, verse five. It says, afterward, you will come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you'll meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, and they will be prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. Now this is the prophet Samuel speaking to the soon-to-be first king of Israel, Saul. And he says, this is something that's going to happen to you. And I like to read between the lines because really this is a story that he's saying, uh, or he's telling Saul this prophetic word. He says, um, upon returning home, you're going to meet a group of uh, musical prophets, a band. The, the, the word of God actually uses um, the word band. It's the first time you see the word band, like a musical band or a rock band or whatever. It's, it's the first time you see the word band in any ancient literature. And the band is actually describing a group of pieces who come together to make one harmonious sound. And so he's telling Saul, you're going to see a band and they're going to be prophets of the Most High God, Yahweh. And when you come into the presence of the song of their prophetic music, you are going to be changed into another man. This principle alone has driven my heart to not only uh, believe and understand um, in the Word of God, uh, you know, by the, the authority of Scripture, the power of of the of the worship that we have as as believers in God, uh, but it it also shows me the transforming um, power of songs, how songs and how music and actually that which has a prophetic edge can change someone into an entirely different person. You could say even launch them into who they're actually made or called to be. Don't forget it was Joshua who knelt before uh, the captain of the angel armies of heaven. Uh, he knelt before the Lord, Joshua did, um, and it was in his worship that God actually gave Joshua the, the strategy of how to take Jericho. So strategy comes from the place of worship. The word of the Lord comes from the place of worship. Transformation comes from the place uh, of, of worship and even worship through music, through song. That's, that's obvious in the Bible. And one of the, the, the reasons why is because where there is worship, where there is song, there is the presence of God. Where there is worship, where there is song and singing unto God, there is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you have to remember that every time we get a glimpse into the heavenly realm, uh, into where God is, where his throne is, through the, the word, through the Bible, it tells us there's singing. There is night and day, day and night singing. There's songs. The angels are holding harps. Um, in Revelation 4 and 5, they're singing a song that never ends, and it's a song of worship. So music is, you could say, God's love language. Uh, that's not my idea. Just because I'm a musician or just because I find um, power in, in, in worshiping through music, through song, but this is God's idea. This thing originated with God. And not only um, is, is music, is worship, 
and worship with a prophetic edge. And I might add that uh, prophetic music or prophetic song or prophetic musicians um, or prophets who are playing musical instruments or are singing songs, uh, to me, in a very simple form, just means that they are both hearing the word of God as they play, sing, or release their worship, they're hearing it and they're they're releasing it through the form of music or through song or through art, right? Uh, but it, it also means that they are f- uh, leaning into and following the Spirit of God as they do it. To me, that 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 speaks to the prophetic. It means that God is is involved. It, it would be equivalent to what. Ephesians calls psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Because remember that there are different types of songs, different types of worship, different types and categories of art that is that is unto the Lord. And so when the Bible talks about psalms, hymns, and spirit songs or spiritual songs, I believe those are songs that are influenced by the Spirit in an increased, intense, special way. Uh, and so I believe that was the kind of song that was coming forth. It was spirit songs. And one of the incredible things that I find um, in this scripture is that, first of all, everything that Samuel said would happen did happen. Because if you go down to verse 19, you'll find that uh, it says that when they came to the hill, uh, behold, there was a group of prophets that met him. And it says that he prophesied among them. Uh, He actually prophesied among them. The Spirit of God came upon him mightily so that he prophesied with them. And so I, I, I find a few interesting things in this scripture. The first interesting thing that I see happening is that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, you'll find out that when Samuel was a child, as a matter of fact, even before he was born, the Bible says that um, before the prophet Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. You know, what do you do when a land, a people, an entire region, uh, even a nation uh, that has no word of the Lord and no widespread revelation? To me, that could be said as spiritual common sense. There wasn't an understanding of of the Word of God. There wasn't an understanding of what God was doing, what God was up to. Uh, you know, there was no relational uh, aspect with God in, in a large way uh, with the people of the nation of Israel. And the prophet Samuel comes onto the scene and single-handedly releases breakthrough to an entire nation. Because when one person gets a breakthrough, it's as if he accesses it or she accesses it for many others. I mean, this principle is true even outside of the the, the spiritual context. If you think about, um, you know, uh, Anybody who has done anything in in athletics or in science or in the arts or uh, in any field that we talk about, um, it's as if one person will fight and pioneer breakthrough so that many others can come behind them and do the same thing that they did. And oftentimes they do it faster and better and quicker and smarter and so on. But uh, Samuel comes along when there's no word of the Lord, there's no prophetic edge, there's no prophecy happening. There's no 
you know, widespread revelation. People don't get uh, the things of the Spirit. And Samuel comes and he changes all of that. Because just seven chapters later, after 1 Samuel chapter 3, and there's no word of the Lord, seven chapters later on the scripture that we're now looking at, you find there are musical prophets on what the Bible calls the hill of God coming down, playing in the open air just playing their prophetic song, not to a crowd, not to a group of people, not for a record deal, not for an honorarium, uh, not for fame, and not to release their new CD. But it was simply the most pure form, and I believe the root of what a musician and a a believer are called to be, and what uh, artists and creatives are called to be, the first band ever mentioned in the history of of any modern or ancient writings is mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 10. This is incredible because to me it means this, that the roots of our uh, spiritual inheritance as believers, as Christians, the roots of our our spiritual heritage or even our musical heritage are that uh, there were prophets of God. That means they were close to the heart of God. They heard his word. They, They knew his word. They were intimate with him. They knew what was happening and they were releasing it through music. Another thing I see there is that they're not releasing it, uh, for, for stages, for crowds, for fame. It is not for their glory, but they're doing it for a deeper purpose. They're doing it, one, as unto the Lord, and two, because their song actually carried breakthrough for uh, the land and for any who got caught up in uh, their presence or any who came into their their atmosphere, if you will. Anybody who came into their song or heard their song was changed into another man. Think of being a band of prophet musicians so powerful that you could play your music and the spirit of the living God comes upon all who hear it mightily as it did Saul in the scripture and that it would change a person into uh, who they're called to be or it would change them into a totally different person. I, I think it's a it's a, a a challenge, if you will, an invitation by the Lord to bands arising in this hour, to musicians, for songwriters in this hour, to uh, to artists and creatives to say, you are to do more with your art than to get famous, than to have people hear you, uh, but you are to actually release your art as unto the Lord, near to the heart of the Lord. That's obviously a prerequisite, right? To be a prophet musician. Uh, But to have art and music and songs so powerful that whoever hears them are changed into different people. They're literally launched into their destiny because they got into the presence of your song. Because your song, your music, your playing, your your art released was enough to catapult catalyze them and catapult them into their destiny. This is an incredible invitation to any uh, musician or creative. And I feel that even you look deeper into the scripture and you find this, why are a band of prophet musicians on what the Bible refers to in these scriptures as the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is? Just stop there. Verse 5, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. They're on the hill of God, Samuel calls it, but where the Philistine stronghold is. If you don't know, 
The Philistines are the enemy uh, of the people of God. They represent the enemy. They represent those who would like to steal, uh, kill, and destroy that which the people of God had. So that's what Jesus said is the definition of the evil one, the enemy, as we know it. And the Philistine, uh, the name Philistine actually means flesh. It actually means uh, dust. It means the dust of the earth, the flesh. So you could say even, you know, the enemy's stronghold is where the hill of God is. Isn't it interesting that uh, Samuel was calling it the hill of God when really the enemy had camped out on it? I, I think it's incredible to realize that oftentimes the enemy camps out on the places of greatest destiny. Uh, he always uh, likes to oppose the places that have the greatest calling. Think of that for a minute. And it was on this hill that God said, I won't send a warrior. I won't send uh, 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 the, the, the battle. Uh, will not be fought with the weapons of, of men, not carnal weapons. But I, I'm not sending diplomacy. I'm not sending, you know, anything else. What's the first thing that God does when he wants to take his hill, his region, his place of destiny that the enemy is camped out on? He sends worship. Judah goes first. Judah goes first. And so it's it's amazing to me. Judah means praise, of course. And if you know the old covenant stories of battle, you'll find very quickly that Judah was the tribe of Israel that got sent into battle first. And, and oftentimes it's praise, it's worship that goes before anything else into the battle. And so God was sending a prophetic song to dig up the fallow ground uh, in a region to take care of what was happening in the spirit as if he could you know, uh, almost address the origin of the, of the issue before he would actually go and, and take that, uh, or give Israel that hill uh, of God. And here's the interesting thing. That hill is actually Mount Gibeah. And so if you don't know this, that Mount Gibeah is where David, King David sets up worship, sets up, uh, worship on that hill, while he is king. So that place was destined for worship. And King David would eventually take this uh, place. He would eventually take this hill, but not before God had sent years of prophetic worship. Imagine if the song that these prophets on this hill were singing was powerful enough to change a man who would be called to be king, then surely it was powerful enough for the very land that they sang in to be free too. Don't forget, the earth is groaning, Romans says, for the revealing of the sons of God. So the earth is groaning. Uh, the earth is longing for redemption. It's longing to come into the symphony of, of what uh, God is saying and, and, and what the sons of, of God and the daughters of God are singing. And when we sing... The songs of heaven, I'm telling you, it will bring heaven to earth. The atmosphere of heaven is, is the atmosphere of worship. And so when we sing, when we sing prophetic songs and the songs of the Spirit, it only makes sense that we would actually uh, bring heaven to earth in those places. And I remember uh, understanding the scripture, uh, you know, the flesh stronghold of the Philistines was atop the place that was meant for worship. That alone could preach for days. But I want to say that these are the roots. These are the roots of the, of the prophet musician. These are the roots of all creatives 
who call themselves followers of Jesus. The roots are that you are your your spiritual inheritance is that of of men and women who sang to Jesus, who sang to God from a heart uh, of wanting to please Him and worship Him. But they sang the songs of heaven, changing people into into other men than they were previously. That 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 prepared the land for its ultimate destiny to be a place of worship, to be a place where uh, 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 God would be worshiped night and day, day and night. And so it's a powerful, powerful picture. And I I want to uh, just finish with this. When the Lord invited me to live the scriptures, he said, Chris, there is a hill of God that the Philistine garrison is upon. And this hill is called Hippie Hill in San Francisco, California. And he began to speak to me about how, uh, you know, many decades ago, the summer of love, the countercultural revolution actually happened on this hill. And it was such a flashpoint, as such a, a flashpoint for a cultural shift of ideology, of religion, of uh, culture, that they renamed this hill Hippie Hill, because a place is often named after events that happen there. We know that in the Bible, and the same is true for our world. This is this is the 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 world we live in. We name places after encounters had there, or after events, or after things that 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 were birthed there. And geographical regions they're important to the Lord. You know, San Francisco is a birthing city to the nation. Uh, whatever happens in San Francisco, it's as if it gets birthed out into the world. Uh, and it's like a womb to the nation. And God spoke to me uh, in 2015 and said, Chris, uh, I, I am preparing to release Jubilee to America. And I need you to release the song of Jubilee and prepare the way as they did in 1 Samuel 10. And I need you to go and sow your song on Hippie Hill to reap a sound. Because before there's a move, there is always a sound. And so we we through a, a crazy complex story that that I'll share on another podcast we took our our entire life to San Francisco and for a year before we sang uh, the songs of the Lord and we sang out and we were the prophets on the hill we lived the word and for the entire summer actually of 2017 which was 50 years which means uh jubilee you know every 50 years um, there's a reset. The slaves get set free. The debt is canceled. The, 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 um, the land is healed. God said, I'll release Jubilee if you'll sing. Come to find out Jubilee actually means a sound of a trumpet. It's the declaring of a reset. Uh, and God was saying, I will reset America and release great awakening from the very place where a generation turned its back on me and welcomed in, you know, uh, everything contrary to my kingdom into a generation, into a nation. And so, uh, we, we went and we threw our generation on the bones of an old prophetic movement called the Jesus people movement, which also came, uh, out of San Francisco, California, because God said, just like a Elisha's bones rose a man up from the dead, as the scriptures tells us. There's enough, he said, there's enough power in the Jesus people movement. There's enough power in the bones of that old movement to raise this generation from the dead again, because I'll do it again. I'll do it in a different way. It'll look different, but it will have the same authority and even greater power. 
And so we went and we and we did that and we released Jubilee and the nation gathered in San Francisco and, and we released Jubilee to the nation and we lived the prophets on the hill scripture. And um, I, I have found that um, just through doing that, uh, you know, not only did I... Um, you know, go and sing songs to God. But God, while I was doing that, was writing songs inside of me. And, and, and he was doing something in, in my heart. So I just want to, I want to challenge you um, to, to, first of all, find the heartbeat of God and begin to sing from that place uh, out of intimacy with him. But as well, I want to say there is a power uh, to taking worship to taking the presence of God in your worship to the open air places of cities, towns, and streets all over the world, wherever you're at. Because there are people who don't know God who are waiting for someone to sing the song of the Lord that changes them into another man. They are waiting to hear the anointing in the, in the, in the song uh, because remember, the doors of the heart open to melody and song when they will not to word only. We we receive melody. It, music is the universal language for a reason. God intended it that way. And remember Elisha the prophet, when they asked him to prophesy in the scriptures on one occasion, he said, bring me a musician, an anointed musician to play. And when he plays, the word of the Lord will come to me. How many people are waiting to hear the, from the Father God who made them as a call from uh, uh, from from God on their life, and they're waiting to hear the song so the word of the Lord can come. I I, I want to tell you, I've seen it happen. We've had drug addicts, we've had prostitutes, we've had uh, all sorts of people who were in the most degraded states come up to us while we sang on Hippie Hill in the open air, and they would say, "I don't know what's going on, but I feel something different here." And I said, "That's the presence of God." I remember stopping one time and telling this guy how had a joint hanging out of his mouth. I said, God has a plan for you, brother. And do you know that the word of God says that the Lord sings over you? And he, he, he said, no, I didn't know that. I said, do you want to hear what God is singing over you right now, brother? He said, yes, I do. And with the joint hanging from his mouth, he got on his knees and bowed his head to heaven and began to weep as I sang over him the song of uh, of God that, that God was singing over him. I began to sing how the Father felt about him and the destiny he had for his life. And this man began to weep in the very presence of God. And I'm telling you, God is launching uh, the worship out of the four walls of the church into the streets so that it's not just the church who gets to experience the goodness and presence of God, guys, in our meetings. There's a place for that. That will always uh, be something that we we do. We gather together and we worship God in one accord. But I believe that the presence of God and the Spirit of God is to be poured out on all flesh. And how will it go if we, the ones who carry the presence of God as His priests, don't actually leave the four walls of the temple and take it to those who need it the most? I challenge you, take your songs to the streets. You're not busking. You're not a, a, a troubadour who, who goes and, and is asking for money. You're going giving something away. Whether people know it or not, you're giving the presence and the goodness and beauty of God away to those who need it. And this is a movement that I believe is going to, to break into the streets of America. I don't know if the news media will report on it. I don't know if, you know, 
it, it's going to be something that we see maybe until 50 years later, but I know that the presence of God is invading uh, the streets of America and beyond, and no place is safe from the presence of Jesus because Jesus wishes that none should perish. He loves America. He loves uh, all the nations of the earth, and he loves people of all religions, all types, all persuasions. It doesn't matter. He does not discriminate in who he loves. His love is powerful. It's radical, and I believe it's radical enough that if you and I will take worship to the streets, that the presence of God will come and land in our worship. Even according to Psalm 22, verse 3, he inhabits the praises of his people. Wouldn't we want to take Jesus and his love and his goodness and his gospel and his works and his presence to the streets, to the people who need it the most? Uh, I, I believe this is this is the call. Uh, one of the, the biggest calls of a generation is to take the love of Jesus in this time to the open air places uh, where people are, to the public places. So I bless you. I hope you've enjoyed this. We're going to do uh, a lot more of these podcasts and we'll be doing them every week. So be sure to tune in, uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us. And um, we're just excited to be able to, to do this with you guys. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you would like to connect with the sound movement, please visit the soundmovement.net or look us up on your favorite social media platform.